0: this is a podcast by wellhouse church where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with god others and ourselves what's up practitioners
1: what's going on everybody
0: so we're starting a new series. Um, the, the title is still working as we're recording. I think
1: um, I think what we're going to call it is why should Christians do spiritual practices?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean that that really is the question at hand. What value do spiritual practices bring Christians?
0: Right. And before we get into that, we are coming off of a really hard episode.
1: We are uh, we did take about a 10 minute break yeah. um but it's currently 9:30 on a Thursday night and we still have this podcast and one more to record so Which that
0: one's probably going to go 40 minutes if i had to guess
1: probably cuz we're starting a new series yeah
0: so. so um we're still a little bit riled up maybe a little bit but we're going to do our best to leave that conversation on that podcast.
1: Yep. Um, well, and this is a good. This is a good book to enter into a new so course trajectory.
0: Cullen recommended a book to me. Um, what was it now? Probably three a good years while ago.
1: ago. Good while ago. Uh, uh, not, no, no, two no, years. Probably ago. about two years ago.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, Making all things new by Henry Nowen, uh,
1: which I will also just go ahead and say. The only thing special about this book is that it's written by Henry Nowen. Literally, anything that Henry Nowen writes, you should buy and read. I'm just convinced; Agreed. like he is just one of the greatest thinkers of spiritual formation next to Dallas Willard. Like, you should just read it.
0: And I will say, after having uh, read it or read pieces of it and and been through it, um, love this book.
1: Mm. Um, Henry's great
0: so largely what this series is going to be about is because this whole podcast is about spiritual formation and about spiritual disciplines and practices. Um, but we have never ever talked about the necessity behind them. And mm-hmm. Why? Yep. Um, Henry kind of touches on that. Um, and he starts his book talking about the dichotomy of how people um, are both filled and unfilled. Correct. Um, which is, what? what is up there? The endless pursuit of hurry or the, the relentless pursuit ru- of hurry? The
1: Ruthless Elimination of Hurry the by ruthless? John Mark Comer. Yes. Which also is really just a second part to John Ortberg's book, Soul Keeping. That's really all it is. John Mark Homer is a disciple of John Ortberg, who's a right. disciple of Dallas Willard. John Ortberg wrote a book called Soul Keeping, in which largely all he does is repurpose a lot of Dallas's thoughts. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry is John Mark Homer's version of that to John Ortberg.
0: And a lot of that is going to sound very familiar if you've read that. If you've
1: read The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, a lot of Making All Things New will sound very familiar.
0: Um, so his, his kind of opening statements here is, the spiritual life is not a life before, after, or beyond our everyday existence. No, the spiritual life can only be real when it is lived in the midst of the pains and joys of the here and now.
1: Mm. Is that not the best and truest statement you've ever heard? Yeah. Mm. That, that's the already not yet element of theological restoration.
0: Right. But what's so crazy is we come to this place, and, and Henry talks about it here, um, we often say, I'm not very happy. I'm not content with the way my life is going. I'm not really joyful or peaceful. But I just don't know how things can be different. And I guess I have to be realistic and accept my life as it is. Which, if that is not the most, it is what it is statement that I've ever heard.
1: You know, we, we kind of poo-poo on... It is what it is statements, but they exist for a reason, because there are things that are outside of our control.
0: Sometimes there are things that are outside of our control, but your spiritual life is directly Mm -hmm. in your control. Preach, bro. Um, that's why this podcast exists.
1: Preach.
0: Um, I will be honest and very vulnerable here. Lots of times when my spiritual life has fallen or every time, let me let me say it that way. Let's be completely real. Every time my spiritual life has fallen, it's because of my own fault because I wasn't disciplined
1: they Enough are called to do
0: the discipline. They are
1: called spiritual disciplines for a reason. They're not all easy. Now we have done in our series on the Enneagram on this mm-hmm. podcast, we did upstream and downstream practices, practices that naturally come easier to each Enneagram right. type. You go back and listen to that. I do think those are helpful because we need things that naturally uh, attune themselves to our disposition However, but they are also disciplined, like they take discipline in order to do them.
0: And also there are upstream practices, too,
1: that are really beneficial to you as a spiritual being. But they're hard. They are hard. They they go against the grain of who you are and how you've been raised.
0: So what Henry says is beyond this, it is what it is statement. Our first task is to dispel this vague, murky feeling of discontent and to look critically at how we're living our lives. Mm. And this is where Henry kind of gets into this um, ruthless, um, what is it?
1: Ruthless elimination of hurry. Ruthless
0: elimination of hurry. Because he then begins to talk about... Um, How we are both filled yet unfilled. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're going to talk about the filled portion real quick. Um, And he opens this section with one of the most obvious characteristics of our daily lives is that we are
1: busy. Yes. Uh, Duh. um, Yeah. Look, society's busier now than it's ever been. Um, especially in America, I know this is not true for our Eastern listeners, But look, in America, I mean, the baseline is that you're gonna work 40 hours a week. The expectation that you're gonna work more.
0: Yeah. Oh, dude, And this is actually hitting me, I'm reading this back and thinking about something that was said a, a couple weeks ago to me by one of my friends and it's all kind of hitting at one point. So we always have to be busy. Right. Uh, And being busy is some sort of a status symbol. And Henry talks about that here, but then he goes on to say, people expect us to be busy and to have many things on our minds. Our friends often say to us, I guess you're busy as usual and mean it as a compliment. Sometimes. Mm. That's where I kind of deviate from Henry here. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, I had a friend the other day tell me, um, kind of as a joke, kind of as a joke, but also kind of serious, um, more or less say that, um, never say that I'm flaky, but... If a well house comes up, I might cancel plans. Um,
1: wait, walk that out. What are you? What are you communicating right now?
0: So I have found that our recording schedule, because it's so strange, um, I will have made a loose agreement to go out. Uh, And because we have to record on a very weird schedule, I always make loose agreements. Got you. And in those loose agreements, sometimes I have to cancel. Like tonight, Mm. we were supposed to go out tonight. Oh. And I had made this loose agreement. Like, yeah, I might be able to do that. Tonight was the only night we were able to record. So what did I do? I recorded and to the credit of my friends they came to support me in this saying like we understand you're not flaky like you're just busy we, under, we, we get it however busyness affects relationships always busyness is a status symbol People recognize you by your busyness. And in my group of friends, it is becoming, it is coming to a point, And I've realized this, that my busyness is becoming a status symbol of as someone who is not always there.
1: I, I remember it was when I read Henry's book that I realized how detrimental this idea of busyness was to my spiritual health. Because three years ago, if you'd asked me how are you, and I've been working on this for like two years, and I'm still not perfect on it, but three years ago, if you'd asked me how I was doing, 100% of the time, I would have told you, "I'm busy. I'm busy." And because busyness (laughs) somehow makes us feel like we're important. Yeah, Um, it's like we're we're valued because we're busy. I mean it, it's not but it's a very unhealthy way to approach life that your value is tied to what you can offer mm-hmm. with your time.
0: And Henry actually makes a comment very similar to that here. Quite a few telephone calls begin with the remark. I know you're busy but do you have a minute? Mm-hmm. Um, and God, I actually hate that I've done this. I'm seeing it now. But with a few of my friends, I have made the, I've set the boundary in which I think I need to move. Text me before you call me. You, you tell your friends that? some of Sometimes, yeah. If, if there are people that I get phone calls from regularly, I will say, text me before you call me. Because I never know if I'm in a meeting, I'll never know if we're recording, or what have you.
1: Nah, man. I'm the king of, if somebody calls me and I can't answer, I've got the the messages where you just click it. Yeah. Hey, I'll call you back. Yeah. I should do that. They're Um, easy to set. Like, you can go type your own custom message in, like... I should
0: do that. I don't know why I've never thought about that before, but lots of times if I get a phone call, I feel obligated to take it.
1: Nope. No, Um, no, no, no. I don't. Well, that's very different from us. I, I don't have that. Like I don't have that feeling. Yeah.
0: But that is also contributing to my busyness affecting my relationships.
1: Well, that is the other thing that I will say, and this is something I've noticed. If somebody gets me on the phone, it's inevitable that that phone conversation is going to take 15 minutes longer than it should. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not like talking on the phone. I do it a lot. I don't like it. Right. Um, I would much rather. And I, but, but I tell you this and anybody that works with me, like, hey, if you want to have a meeting with me, you need to ask yourself, yeah. can this, can this be solved in an email? right like no like, Think- I don't want to be busy I just feel perpetually busy if, if you need to meet with me I'm happy to meet with you but if you can do in a meeting what you can do in an email send me an email bro Yeah, like,
0: so I send you emails all the time I don't respond and you never respond it's because like okay I have the information now
1: I'm done we're good like I, I'm not going to spend the time responding back, yeah. especially when I see you all the time. You're like, Hey, did you get my email? I'm like, yeah, thanks.
0: Yeah. I got the information the, the, that, and we that's, may have like a three minute conversation about it and it's done.
1: Yeah. That that's 90% of the emails that you send me. That's how they go. I yeah. don't ever respond. No. And you go, Hey, did you get my email? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Done.
0: And it's all good.
1: But yet how long did it take you to send that email? Five minutes most of the time? Maybe,
0: but in a meeting, an actual sit-down meeting will take an hour.
1: If 30 that, minutes yeah. at best? Yeah. Yeah, no, like, send me an email. Like, yeah. I don't, my goal's not to be busy. I just constantly find myself being busy. And right. I'm like, how do I eliminate the busyness? It's through pointless meetings. Well, it's, it, it's through things that draw down productivity.
0: But... That's neither here nor there, if I'm being honest.
1: No, it's true. That's uh, not... I mean, Henry's kind of going there, but not really.
0: Sort of. But, so he talks about our, our occupations and how our job, like, becomes a part of our identity. Which is true. Our jobs do become a part of our identity.
1: But... Well, I actually want to talk about this. Okay. Our friend, Andrew Barrett, who's never been on this podcast, but right. been on several of the other podcasts. He challenged me when I was on sabbatical in North Carolina... When somebody asks you what you do at Wellhouse, your actual sentence construction, what do you say to them? I'm the creative arts director. I am as a statement of identity. Right. Do you want your identity tied to your job? No. Andrew Barrett, credit to my friend Andrew Barrett, has got me using the language I pastor at Wellhouse mm-hmm. Church.
0: There's not a way to do that, though, for a creative arts director, unless I just go into. I a-
1: do. I I hold the position of creative arts director at Wellhouse Church. Mm. There are very few things that you should subscribe, uh, subscribe, ascribe your identity to. Your job title is not one of them,
0: and that's actually shown in Scripture quite a bit uh, with all of Jesus' "I am" statements and. And God's immediate, I am who I am. I'm a father.
1: I'm a brother. I'm a son. Yeah. Mm. I'm a friend.
0: The things that actually matter.
1: My identity is not in my job. That's what creates our incessant need to be busy. It's because we've put our identity in the thing that makes us busy. Mm. Stop it. Your identity is not being a VP of a company. Your identity is not being a manager, a salesman. Your identity is not in the thing that gives you a salary.
0: Huh. So on that, moving through that with that in mind, actually, this, that might be helpful. More enslaving than our occupations, however, are our preoccupations, to be preoccupied means to fill our time and place long before we are there.
1: I'm the king of this. Same. <laughs> um, in I, my yeah. Go ahead. I literally never. So I, th- this will just tell you. I feel so busy that the only way I can stay on top of my busyness is if I have an actual hard copy paper calendar Mm -hmm. of which I spend so much time in every day. Yeah. I feel so busy that I can't even do like a digital calendar because of that. I plan crap out months, months. He really does. And he really does. Um, months in advance,
0: and it's very frustrating all, for his brother when he wants to go for a drink with him, and he's like, uh, "Let me check my calendar." <laughs> I, I already
1: have meetings planned for January and February of
0: 2022. Yeah. Um. And and Henry kind of talks about this is the reason that that happens is because we're always worried about the what ifs. Yep. Um. It's anxiety that drives this. It is. This pursuit of being filled. Um. And he ends up saying, Our individual as well as our communal lives are so deeply molded by our worries about tomorrow that today hardly can be experienced. Mm. And oh, oh,
1: that'll preach.
0: Exactly. Mm. That's why I underlined it. <laughs> because like even tonight. I know we had to record. This is the only night that we could record this week. It's fine. I get it. But I'm giving up on living life to work. Um, and it's one of those moments where I had to make a hard decision. Right? We have to work tonight. I re- I'm going to. But I'm giving up on living life
1: to do it. I remember when this hit home for me. This hit home for me during COVID. When COVID first hit, I wasn't great at it ever, but I was significantly better at managing home, like work-life balance Mm -hmm. when I had an office to go to where I could leave stuff at the office. Right. When COVID happened, that changed. Right. I worked exclusively from home, except when I was going up to the church that I worked at to film. And
0: that is true for very many people.
1: Yeah. Here's the pro- Like, everybody thinks, oh, working from home is great. Okay, fine. For some people, working from home is fantastic. I work from home now, majority of the time. It works. Here's the problem. I could never leave work at work. I would walk past my office and go, Oh, it would spark something. I go, Oh, I forgot to do this. It won't take me five minutes. I'd go in there and my now ex wife would come in there and go, Hey, you realize you've been in here for four hours? Like I just like there was no switch to turn it off. Yeah. You must be able to turn it off. Like you must be able to find balance and live life, experience life, leave work at work. That's not your identity. Your identity as a person works, but work is not your identity.
0: So, listener, I want to leave you with this. Henry makes this comment in the last section of the filled section, which I guess we'll talk about the unfilled section next week. He says, the tragedy is that we are indeed caught in a web of false expectations and contrived needs. Our occupations and preoccupations fill our external and internal lives to the brim. They prevent us. They prevent the spirit of God from breathing freely in us and thus renewing our lives. Our busyness is what fills us. But let me ask you the question. Is your
1: busyness what you want to be filled with?